There are three letters that can cause every marketer, salesperson, entrepreneur, business professional to cringe. Those three letters are C-R-M, customer, relationship, management. More specifically, the technology and the platform for managing and supporting customer relationships. Welcome to episode 111 of This Shit Works, where I am joined by Ruben Schwartz, host of the podcast Sales for Nerds, and the creator of Memorin, the fun anti-CRM for people who hate selling. This episode is sponsored by Nickerson, a full-service branding, marketing, PR, and communications agency with team members in Boston, Los Angeles, Miami, and New York City. Visit them at nickersoncos.com. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. Ruben and I have some things in common, like our mutual love of talking to strangers and our belief that the CRM platforms should make running our business and staying connected easier, not end up being software that we dump a lot of time, money, and energy into and never end up using. How many of you have a company or work in a company with a robust CRM platform that does absolutely jack shit because no one in the office wants to keep the information inside of it up to date? Or you're not really sure what it can do for you? Believe me, you're not alone. The CRM is the bane of a number of companies' existence. But what if your CRM could help you network? My guest today is a self-described introvert an engineer who says he tried networking in the past and didn't love it, so he built software to make it easier for people like him to network and stay connected. So let's jump right in. Ruben, welcome to the podcast. Julie, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad you're here because this is a topic that I know a lot of my listeners will want to learn more about because most of my listeners are using a CRM or struggling with your, within their CRM or trying to figure out how to pick a CRM. But before we get into conversations with strangers and talking about your platform, your CRM, tell us a little bit about your background and how it brought you to where you are today. Sure. So I uh, studied computer science in college, and that's kind of, you think of those dorky computer people, that's pretty much me. And so I uh, started working for a company that sold sales and marketing software to, to Fortune 500 corporations. And I didn't really understand how it actually worked. I was just kind of in the background writing code. And then I started visiting the, the clients and realizing that's where the interesting hard work happened. And I got a little frustrated that sometimes by the time I got involved, I felt like people who didn't understand the technology had made a bunch of strategic decisions. And we were all working twice as hard for half the benefit. So I thought, because I was young and a punk and, and didn't know any better, I was like, well, we can do this better if we bring together the strategy and business process and technology in one place. So I started consulting with these giant companies, helping them improve their sales and marketing. And the irony was I was absolutely terrible at my own sales and marketing. And so all the things you're saying about struggling with CRMs that were sometimes, you know, you'd spend a week being real gung-ho about it and then feeling like, like, oh, this is driving me crazy. Let me try a different one. Oh, I must be an idiot. Let me take this sales training, blah, 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 blah. I went through all of that. And eventually I realized that it wasn't what was working for my, my very successful clients, some of the most successful companies on the planet. 
wasn't necessarily the right thing for me as an independent consultant or the owner of a tiny boutique consulting firm. These guys, they had sales teams sometimes with thousands of reps and half of them would be gone in a couple of years. That wasn't the way I was running my business, right? And I realized that the irony was these companies had CRMs because the VP of sales wanted to keep track of the activities of their sales team. It wasn't even really about keeping track of the relationships. Right. It was like trying to figure out what the sales reps are doing. And the sales reps hated this. So they would put the minimal amount of information in there as possible. Yeah. And I, I knew because we were trying to pull information out to analyze it and help them. And there was very little in there. It was exactly like what you're saying, that they don't really want to use it. And it's, it's kind of just a battle. I started building tools to help myself and I started telling some other people, other independent consultants about them. And I realized that, hey, I'm not the only one who's in this situation where I can do the work, but I kind of feel icky about the sales and marketing because I'm doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of us who absorb the wrong lessons about what sales and marketing means and we feel gross about it. And then we get into a vicious cycle. So I started turning that into a more virtuous cycle, started telling some other people about it. They started saying, hey, Ruben, can I have some access to, to some of those tools you've got? And I started building things. And at first it was stuff that you would plug into a CRM to automate your proposals, to get leads off your website, stuff like that. And I never thought I would create a a CRM myself because surely this is a solved problem, right? And people kept telling me, hey, I love Mimarin. I love getting leads off my site. I love the proposal automation, but I hate my Salesforce or Zoho or whatever it is in the middle of my spreadsheet, my sticky notes. Can you just make Mimarin do the CRM piece? And I remember saying the world does not need another CRM. And if it did for some crazy reason, I'd be the last person to build one. And you can see where, where this got me because right. apparently I'm really bad at, at vision and strategic planning, but my customers knew what they were talking about. And finally, I got so frustrated with trying to, to work the way these other sort of more enterprisey tools work that I was like, maybe I should listen to my customers yeah. and have something that, that's really about nurturing relationships and having conversations with people. Yeah, it's so funny because I get asked by a lot of my customers, my clients, they, a lot of people come to me at a certain point in their, their company's life cycle, where they realize they need to start implementing systems and, and figuring out how to manage their relationships. And one of the questions I'm always asked is, well, we need a CRM. What CRM should we use? And there's so many out there that you really have to know what you want that CRM to do for you and how you're going to use it. So, Tell us a little bit about Memorin, the different functions it has that might be different from some CRMs out there on the market. It might be the same as some CRMs out on the market. Like, what is its functionality? What can it do for the user? Sure. You bring up a great point because I, I, I see so many of these questions in various online groups. I mean, hey, starting company, need to get serious about sales. What CRM should I use? And like, I'm a CRM guy, but I can't recommend mine until I know what the heck you're trying right. to do. And I think that's a really important thing. All the tools I was ragging on earlier, Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoho, they're amazing tools for the right people in the right situation, but not necessarily for an independent consultant. So I look at this from the ground up as what do I need to manage a relatively small number of relationships, but where I want to actually have relationships with people. So first of all, I want to know who I should be talking to right now. And this was something that, that drove me crazy before. I was like, okay, I have this big list of contacts in my database. Who should I talk to? I've blocked out time to talk to people, but who should I talk to? And as much as I hate to admit it, I would like spend most of my time staring at this list instead of actually talking to people. Yep. 
And, and I, I was so embarrassed, but I started talk, mentioning this problem to other people. And it turns out it's a really common problem that most of us have. And so there's a function in Mimarin called call mode, where it's like, okay, I'm going to call my prospects, my partners, my past clients, whatever it is. And this block of time, you hit that button and it takes you to the first one you're supposed to talk to. You just focus on them. You press the button to make the phone call. You take your notes, you press save, and it takes you to the next one. And it also sets a next conversation date automatically mm-hmm. for that other contact. Because the thing that was driving me crazy about Salesforce and sort of the other tools was you can manually enter when you're supposed to do something next. But if you forgot, it was like that person fell into a black hole and just yep. disappeared. And I was like, why? That doesn't make sense. And the other thing that didn't make sense was we're in a referral-based business. Why is there not a who referred this person field on every contact, right? Like in a report that says, how much business did my referral partners bring me? Who are my best referral partners? Right. Stuff that we should just know. Uh, And then things like, well, how do I get leads off my website and turn them into conversations? Yeah. So, you know, HubSpot does a great job of this. If you've got a big sales team, if it's just you, HubSpot's got way too much complexity and it actually doesn't do some of the things that you need. And so Mimarin's designed for those situations where you're not trying to get thousands or even hundreds of leads, but if you could get a steady trickle of leads that could turn into conversations, you'd be in really good shape. Mm-hmm. And then when you have good conversations and you actually, the prospect says, Hey, can you send me a proposal? The whole thing started out as proposal automation. Cause I wanted to know if, and when people had read my freaking proposals, right. I wasn't calling up in like, Hey, just wondered if you got my proposal. Now I know. And you can do the whole e-signature thing and it's all streamlined and easy. And there's some other things that are in there that are, so that's all sort of like sales one-on-one stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's tweaked for the, the independent consultant, but it's like all the terms are the same as you would use in a big company. But there are some other things that are a little different just for the independent person. Like you can create a leaderboard with other users and all it does is track how many conversations you're having. Mm -hmm. Because I think the big thing we miss as independents is you you don't have that social competition aspect that you get as part of a team. Mm -hmm. And so especially if you are not feeling good about sales to begin with, it's easy to kind of shrink back and avoid that. And instead mm-hmm. you can see, oh gosh, you know, Ruben's had this many conversations this week. I better get off my duff and pick up the phone and, and yeah. talk to people. And then it's got a positioning wizard because unlike a big sales team where you get the sales playbook, you get to slash have to define your own positioning. And I think this is where a lot of independent consultants make life way too hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. They're too generic. They don't want to tell anyone how awesome they are. And, and their websites are boring. Their LinkedIn is boring. Right. Their, their networking pitch is boring. Yep. And it's like, I'm a, I'm a business consultant. I help people who have problems with their business and like, okay, I can throw a rock and hit 50 people who say exactly the same yep. thing. I don't know exactly who you're for. And right. so, you know, one of the things I realized for over time was people were having a lot of trouble creating lead magnets because they didn't know who the lead magnets were really for. And so You've got these things in here that are that are really different than a traditional CRM. And then you've got a whole bunch of traditional CRM stuff that you just don't need because you're not trying to manage a sales team. Right. And so it's just really focused on, well, what do I need to do as a part-time sales and marketing person who's also full-time delivery, finance, or all the other hats yeah. that we wear? Right. Yeah. How can I be as effective as possible in this time and also feel like I'm having fun with it? Yeah. And not totally drained by it. Like I used to dread all the sales and marketing. I was kind of like forced myself to power through. Yeah. And now I realize that's because I was doing it wrong. And if you're in that situation where you're like, oh, this really stinks, 
then I think there's a lot that you can get from just sort of reframing your mindset and then also having the right tools to facilitate that and really have a bigger dent in the universe and in not feeling like you're doing icky stuff to do it. Yeah. So I have a question based on everything you just said. You said, I want to talk about pulling leads from the website. Does your CRM work in the back end of websites? If someone goes onto my, so someone goes onto my website, hits the work with me page, is it linked to the CRM or is that something that have, has to be put in manually into the CRM? Yeah, you can create a lead capture form and you can capture information like work with me. And you can also tie it to more detailed information like here's a little form that you're going to fill out. What are your objectives? Mm-hmm. How did you find me? Blah, 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 blah. And I think that's important. But I think the the really big opportunity is before that, before someone's even ready to go to that point, mm-hmm. they may not necessarily know who you are or whether they want to work with you, but they've come to your site for some reason to solve a problem. And most consultants kind of have this brochure where narcissistic, look how great I am website. And yeah. I say that as someone who went through that phase, like I get it. It's it, yeah. it's where we have to journey through. But instead, once you know who that ideal prospect is, you know what problem you help them solve, give them a checklist, give them something that that starts them solving their, their big problem before you've even gotten there, mm. right? It's like a little piece of you that that's automated. And it should really appeal to your ideal prospect and not everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not trying to get thousands of leads. We're trying to get five leads, three of whom are going to turn into clients kind of thing. Yeah. So the system lets you plug something into, plug a form into your website to capture that lead, but then also sends them the content, a link to the content and tells you when they're reading it. So you have a chance to follow up and have a conversation and do it in a way that's not salesy. Mm-hmm. For example, I have a fill in the blank proposal template. That's probably my most popular lead magnet. Okay. And when when people request that, if they give me their number, if I get a few minutes, I'll call them. Hey, what did you think of that? How does it compare with what you're doing today? Yep. Any questions? And we just have a conversation about proposals, which is something we both want to talk about. There's no right. selling. There's no awkwardness. And it's fun and easy. And so I think that's where most consultants are really missing some low-hanging fruit, right? Identify who that ideal prospect is and start solving their problems via your website right away. Mm. And then I think the key thing is you got to follow up. Every once in a while, someone is going to click that contact me, schedule an appointment, et cetera. But there's a much bigger set of people who just aren't quite ready for that. Like we all have that activation energy that we need before we do that, but they're really happy to get a call from the expert on the problem they're trying to solve. Right. Yeah, I agree. When you first reached out to me about being on the podcast, you told me that you said, I tried to network in the past. I struggled networking And that has changed. That is okay. So let's talk about (laughs) how, let's talk about how networking was for you before, what you didn't like about it, what, what you struggled with. And now what's different now for you? Sure. I think just like I did with sales and marketing, I absorbed some of the wrong myths about what networking entailed. And it's funny because I remember reading books and all that where it's like, it's not about just getting the business cards and leads. It's about developing relationships and whatever. But meanwhile, like my bosses were like, how many leads did you get from the trade show? Oh, right. Which no boss like, should ever ah. ask that. Like, that's not like, okay. 
like, like that's a whole nother thing about how long it takes for somebody to want to be able to work with you. So everybody who's listening, who has a boss who like just sent you to a conference. And when you came back, asked you, so how many leads did you get? How many jobs did you get? Go tell them to fuck off and get a new job. There we go. <laughs> I mean, that, that would have solved so much. <laughs> And I think there's something about, especially for someone like me, like I would have hid in the corner if I hadn't been told to go get X number of business cards. But instead, what I realized was, for example, I love to travel and I've had Mm -hmm. all kinds of random conversations with complete strangers and ended up like having meals or or going paragliding Mm -hmm. with strangers and having a blast doing it. And like, why why is that easy? But talking to people like in my industry about stuff that I actually know a bunch about is somehow really sucky what's going on. And I think it, it kind of goes back to that, that whole Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross view of sales and marketing and networking mm-hmm. as I'm going to go grab a bunch of st- people and close them. Yeah. And instead it's, it's about finding interesting relationships, people that I can help by making connections for. It's not about yeah. finding leads. It's about finding people that I enjoy talking to mm-hmm. so that I am eager to pick up the phone and talk to them later and have yeah. a conversation. And whether it's the next conversation or five conversations later, they might say, Hey, Ruben, I've got somebody that you need to talk to. I have people call, like years later, Ruben found someone you, you need to talk yeah. to this person. You need to help him, et cetera. And if I'm pushy and, and inauthentic, and I've certainly done the pushy inauthentic networking stuff, then those, those conversations never happen. Mm-hmm. And I think, most of us know all this stuff in kindergarten and then we get it learned out of us somehow. And we end up forgetting how to interact human to human. And then we have a bad time. So yeah. what I like about it now is I show up, I ask, I'm genuinely curious about people. So I just ask them questions and, and try to find interesting people to talk to, right? Like I listen to your podcast and I'm like, I, I like Julie. She sounds awesome. Let's, let's get together. And no pressure mm-hmm. uh, versus the, uh, somebody put it like people stabbing each other in the eyes with business cards. <laughs> I love that one. That stuck that in my great. mind. You can, you can just picture it so clearly. It's such a great, just your words, just drew a picture for me. <laughs> so, and they're not even my words. So um, I think it might be Ellen Melko more, but I can't remember who told me that the first time. And so instead, instead of networking, I think of it as connecting. Yeah. So like I like to connect with people. I hate networking. Right. And you know, it's just my own hang up about what the word networking means. Sure. But if I go and connect with people, then good things will happen. Mm-hmm. That that that's it. When did that change in you? When did that change for you where you're like, "Oh, this isn't about me, it's about them?" Well, I think Part of it, part of the advantage of being an introvert is that I like to ask questions and listen to people's stories. I don't yeah. need to talk the whole time, despite what it sounds like on this podcast. So that that's easy. But there's a difference between I'm going to ask you questions and listen because I'm trying to like figure out if you're a qualified lead, mm. and I'm asking questions because I just want to have a conversation with you. Yeah. And the right people will gravitate to the right people over time if we let that happen versus I'm like going to buttonhole somebody and stab them with a business card. (laughs) I love that. I love that visual. I love that visual. I love that your website listeners go to um, your website is you say you're the fun anti CRM, which I love, which I think is going to resonate with a lot of listeners. You say your mission is to spare people from the struggles you faced 
trying to balance client work and business development. And I know as an entrepreneur, I mean, I am doing everything. I am doing the client work. I'm doing the speeches. I'm doing the podcast. I'm doing the admin. I'm doing the invoicing. I'm doing like, you know, I have to do everything. And one of my biggest challenges is how do I do all the things that needs I need to do to run my business and do my job while still trying to find my next speech or my next client. So I'm struggling balancing doing the work with going after the work. And I've always said like, you have to, you have to be a doer seller. You have to be able to do the work and go after the work. But you say that your CRM helps people do that better and helps manage those two tasks. How? (laughs) Because that is what everybody needs to figure out. Sure. And I, I'm very familiar with the feast or famine cycles and very familiar with all the consulting how-to books that say, even when you're busy, you got to keep up with the business mm-hmm. development. And, and I would like do it for a couple of days. And then by the time the jet lag and everything else was done, I would just like, I just need to go to bed. And, and then, then the project would end and then it was famine period. Right. And yep. so I, I think it is very challenging, but there's a couple of things that, that we can do to make it better. And I, I'm not saying it's always going to be perfectly smooth, linear, mm-hmm. whatever, but, but we can even it out a bunch. So first thing is, get some lead magnets on your site, or at least a lead magnet Mm -hmm. that attracts your ideal client and does some of the work for you. Uh, I was just writing a post on LinkedIn today about like, is your website lazy? Because most consultants have really lazy websites that don't do any work. And then they end up having to do all the work, which is a bummer. I'm like, I don't want to do extra work. I like you say, we've got more than enough work to do. That's not a problem. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for extra sales and marketing challenges. So let the website bring me some leads. Right. That's a good thing in and of itself. But then the other thing that that does is it, it takes some of the pressure off because if you are so desperate, if you don't do any proactive business development and you get that referral, even if it's not a great fit, then mm-hmm. suddenly you're like, oh, I got to figure out how to turn this person into a client because otherwise I'm up the creek, mm-hmm. right? That That's a bad spiral yes. where the, the sales are hard. You don't win a lot of them. You don't win them at good price points. And heaven forbid, if you win them, then you have this nightmare project yeah. and ah, uh, right? Versus knowing, hey, I've got leads coming in. I'm, I'm going to serve the people that I serve best. Yep. And there's no pressure on any individual conversation. Mm-hmm. So, and then you get to relax and lo and behold, you're actually going to get more sales of the right people. Now, the other thing is we talked a little bit about call mode. Most of us know more people than we actually keep up with. Oh, hundred percent. And, and I don't mean like they get a newsletter from you once a week or once a month or whatever it is. I mean, when was the last time you had a conversation with these people who already know, like, and, and trust you hopefully. And so a lot of folks put in so much effort into getting new leads, but they can't keep up with the people they already know. So just even if you only have half an hour a week to reach out to people yeah. and actually have conversations, if you do that every single week, that's going to be hundreds of conversations that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. It's going to be referrals. It's going to be clients coming back for more. It's going to be opportunities for partnerships and other things that you just yeah. don't know until you have those relationships. And then of course, being able to automate the end of the sales cycle and not wondering, oh, gosh, I don't know what's going on with all my proposals, but you know, they're, they're out, they're going to get signed and I can get started on the project. I'm not saying that it makes entrepreneurship easy because it's still plenty challenging, sure. but it, it gives you a little bit more control. Mm-hmm. And I think lets you enjoy the process more. Cause I know for me, my personally, I would spend more time stressing about what the heck I should be doing when it came <laughs> to business it. development than actually doing productive yep. stuff. Yep. 
I got to tell you, I love that about the phone calls because I keep a weekly business development checklist by my, by my desk, on my desk every week. And in and, and, and it, it's okay. Have I, how many face-to-face meetings have, have I had or events? Like min- I have to have a minimum of two face-to-faces per week. And how much content have I produced? What is the content that I put out there? Useful content. Because that's a form of networking as well, providing useful content. Mm-hmm. And then there is a point, there's a list for three names and it's, I need to call three people in my network that I have not talked to in more than like three or four or five, six months. And those phone calls, when I reach out to those people are so amazing because they're, they're not in their schedule. They take Mm -hmm. them by surprise. And more often than not, one of them will say, Oh my God, I was just talking to so-and-so about you. I would now say, Oh, what were you talking about? Oh, I suggested you for this and this and this. And it, it just sort of like for them, it sort of, reiterates the fact that I'm a good person in their network. Like they were just suggesting me. And then it was like, almost like I thought of them and right. called them. I did a podcast a while ago on like, did the art of conversation die with the landline? Because now we do everything on our, we do everything by email and by text and we don't hear each other's voices anymore. And I think it's, that's such a great part of your CRM is that it, it prompts people to actually have a phone call with someone. Cause I think that's such an important way to reconnect with people. Yeah. And I was in denial about this for, for a long time because I'm an introvert. I'm a techie. I can use email and all this stuff to avoid conversations. And it took me a long time to realize that I was just not having the right conversations with the right people. I hadn't set sure. them up the right way. And that's why they sucked mm-hmm. versus now I have spend most of my day having conversations with people. And, and it's great. I don't feel sapped at the end of the day, even as an introvert, because I'm talking to fun people about stuff that we want to talk about. Yeah, and, and that's the difference. And people ask me all the time, does this CRM integrate with my email? Can I attract my emails? And I'm like, no, you can't because you will do what I did for years with CRMs mm. attract emails and pretend like I, I have been, I have touched this person in the past two days. Right. No, because the, the real building block of relationships is actual conversations and occasionally you might have an email that's like worthy of being called a conversation, but for the most part, it's actually a very low data density medium, right? We're humans. We're designed to, to speak to each other, not communicate by type. We pick up so much from, uh, as you know, as we're doing now, even over Zoom, like facial expressions and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then the tone of voice conveys yep. so much that you just can't get through email. You've got to have the conversations. And if you're listening to this saying, Ruben, you're crazy. This will never work for me. I'm like the last person on the planet that this should work for. And yeah. trust me, it will be life-changing in a wonderful way. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is you can't, you're saying the right things. Like, you can't hear intonation in a text message or in an email. And this funny story is like everybody's cars reads their text messages to them. You know, that's right now we're hands-free. And I was talking, I was back and forth with a girlfriend about getting together for dinner. And she said, Oh, by the way, Stacy's going to join us for dinner. And I, in my voice went, great. I love Stacy. But when it, her car read it to her, it went great. I love Stacy. <laughs> and so she thought I didn't want Stacy to come. I mean, these are the little nuances we don't get when we he- don't hear somebody's voice in, in their inflect in their flex- right. in their intonation. So I think that's so great that your CRM prompts people to do that. And I don't want be- people to be afraid of that. 
in that same vein of not being afraid of having conversations. I love that when we first started talking and when you reached out to me, you said as an introvert, you were surprised by your new-ish appreciation for the love of conversation with strangers. And as a way to inspire our listeners to embrace the idea of talking with strangers, because I have some great conversations with strangers that I could share. Tell us one or two stories, like funny stories about talking with strangers. There's so many. Uh, and, and it really did like the, the notion of, hey, I enjoy these conversations with strangers. Why the heck am I having so much trouble talking to people that I'm telling myself I'm supposed to talk to? Mm-hmm. But one that actually stands out because my wife and I were going to California together and we were on the plane and she's very extroverted. She can work a room and and like know everybody's backstory in five minutes. And it's like, they've known each other for decades. It's crazy. Yep. But she's like, no, I'm not really extroverted. I'm, I'm totally an introvert. I'm like, no, you're not. And she's like, you're a lot more extroverted than you think you are. And I'm more introverted than you think I am. I'm like, no, 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 no. So we're at dinner and the table next to us gets this crazy dessert with like candles and fire. And I don't know, it was, it was really interesting. It, the whole restaurant kind of stopped to watch it go out. And so- as we're leaving, I'm like, hey, sorry to bother you guys, but what was that? Because it was so whatever. And they're like, oh, it was blah, blah. I don't even remember what it was. But it ended with them insisting like, hey, we've got an extra spoon. You've got to try this. And so hours earlier, my wife was like, you're not really a true introvert. And then I'm like, mm. eating dessert off a stranger's plate in a yep. restaurant. I'm like, maybe she's got a point. But I think a lot of it is just like, you can have a conversation with anybody if, mm-hmm. if you like the, the context of the conversation. Oh, so yeah. for me, asking that stranger, hey, what was that dessert? Yep. Seemed like a perfectly natural, reasonable thing to ask at the time. So yeah, I, I think that's the thing. We're, we're so, especially when it comes to networking, we're often put in these situations where the conversations don't feel good. They mm-hmm. feel awkward and forced. And then we're like, oh, I hate talking to people. It's like, no, we're just not setting up the conversations the way we want. And I think one of the sort of silver linings to the whole COVID thing is with shutting down sort of the rubber chicken circuit, you have to be more proactive about how you connect with people. And that gives us introverts, especially an opportunity to do it on our terms. Yeah, I I love talking to strangers. I actually just did a podcast episode about my love of books and how I wish people who didn't read books on their phones or on Kindles anymore. Cause my favorite thing when I was younger and first in the industry was riding the train and seeing what books people were reading and asking people, Oh my God, do you like that book? Are you enjoying it? Should I read it? What is it about? Like I would just talk to all these strangers about books and I would love that. Now everybody reads books on their phones or audiobooks, So it's, it's that one's harder. I love traveling internationally and I always find it, interesting to have stories about traveling internationally. And my husband and I were in, um, oh goodness gracious. Where were, where were we? We were in, we were somewhere and we were at, must've been Italy because the guy was speaking in time, but we travel so much. And we went to this Italian restaurant, obviously in Italy. And my husband used to live there. And so he, when he lived there ages ago, like he was pretty fluent when he lived there, but he doesn't practice now. So you lose it. It's not like riding a bike. You do lose your, the language. And we were at this restaurant and we were trying to figure out what was on the pizza. It was a pizza restaurant. And so my husband could figure out almost everything on the menu. But then in Italian, he asked the waiter, like, what is this? And the Italian couldn't say it in English, but he went, bah. And we were like, what? He was like, bah. And we were like, 
And then he like acted like a goat. And we were like, oh my God, it's goat cheese. (laughs) Like it was like one of my favorite memories of that trip was that was us trying to speak Italian and and, and the guy not being able to speak English, but speaking goat. It's like, I just, just, if you don't talk to, I mean, if you don't talk, if you don't talk to strangers, you're missing out on so much. Start talking to your, your waitress or your bartender like that. You have like an entree into talking to a stranger and then talk to real strangers after that. I think there's something about Italian waiters. I remember being in Italy a long time ago. I was doing the Tour de Mont Blanc and I started in France and went through Italy and Switzerland. And I was staying at some hut or something in, in Italy. And the owner of the hut had some discount at some restaurant. Like, you know, if you order off this menu, you get whatever. Yeah. So I go there and I, I tell the guy, actually, I want to order the special. It's okay. I don't need the discount. And he's mm-hmm. like, okay, fine. And then after dinner, I'm walking down the street and the waiter is chasing me down the street because the owner of the restaurant wanted to give me the discount anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Oh. In, um, I did that in Vienna. I couldn't understand anything that was being said. And there was another couple there. And I was like, am I paying correctly? Because you pay cash. And I was like, I'm dealing with euros and like the foreign language. And I was like, am I paying correctly? And she goes, she looks and she goes, yeah, yeah, I think you're good. So I, me and my husband left left the money on the table and the woman chased us down the street. We didn't leave enough money. And she oh. was like, not enough. Not enough. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, I was so embarrassed. I was like, I did ask that woman if I left enough money though. Yeah. Very interesting. This was so fun. If people want to learn more about your fun anti-CRM, how can they find you? How can they learn more about how they could use it in their business? Sure. So you can find me at Ruben at Mimarin.com, R-E-U-B-E-N at M-I-M-I-R-A-N.com. Of course, you can go to the website and just check it out. You can sign up for a free trial, give it a whirl. That's really the best way to see if if it's going to be a good fit for you. And if you do that and you want help getting started, uh, you'll get a bunch of automated emails from me. Just respond to one of them and say, hey, Ruben, I actually want to do the Zoom session where we get set up together and I'll get on the Zoom and, and we'll get set up together and have a good time. Perfect. All right. So I'll put links to all of that in the show notes. And you've certainly piqued my interest on different CRMs because I get asked all the time about different CRMs and which ones to choose from. So I'm so glad I learned about yours. Yeah. So I said, I'll put it all in the show notes. And thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I think Ruben hit the nail on the head when he said that we are taught the wrong lessons when it comes to sales and marketing. And that's why we feel gross about it. Don't believe me about that feeling gross thing. There was actually a study done at Harvard about how networking makes people feel dirty. And it's because we are taught to go at it from the wrong angle and for the wrong reasons. I love that his CRM was built by a person who said the world doesn't need another CRM. You know, if he builds one, it's going to be different than all the others we've seen. The truth is, your CRM has to be easy for you to use. It needs to help you do your job. I cannot tell you how many companies I have worked at who have spent thousands of dollars setting up robust CRM platforms that no one in the office will use because their user experience is so terrible. If you're going to work with a CRM platform, do yourself a favor and learn all about the options you have and pick the one that is right for you and that you will actually use. Because like my old boss, Katie, used to say, garbage in, garbage out. Doesn't matter if you have it and you don't use it. Still no use. You need to be comfortable in the platform so that it works for you and that you use it. Okay, on to the drink of the week. 
So the first thing I do when I'm trying to find a cocktail that fits the episode theme is I Google a word from the episode title along with the word cocktail. So for this one, I Googled CRM cocktail, which brought me to a lot of scary sites about listeria. So I moved right on from that. And I just went with a cocktail that I thought would straddle the summer and the fall and was also made for a crowd. So I chose the caramel apple red sangria from Killing Time. Here's what you're going to need. And you probably already got all this in your house. A bottle of red wine. She suggests Garnache or Tempranillo or Pinot Noir or Zinfandel. So I guess she just pretty much suggests all the wines. One cup of apple cider, one cup of caramel flavored vodka, a quarter of a cup of brandy, one Granny Smith apple thinly sliced or cubed, a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, and four cinnamon sticks. What you're going to do is you're going to place the cut up apples into a large pitcher, add the caramel vodka, apple cider, brandy cinnamon, and cinnamon sticks to the pitcher, and then give it a good stir. Pour the entire bottle of wine into the pitcher, give it another quick stir, and then refrigerate until you're ready to serve at least an hour. All right, friends, that's it for this week. Remember, please subscribe and review and share with your friends. And until next week, cheers. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.